You may be seated. My name is Simon, and I'm so excited to be here. Hello up there. Um, I'm here this morning with my wife, Alicia, somewhere. There she is. Yep. And our five kids are scattered somewhere about the facility. I haven't actually seen them in all morning, so they're probably around somewhere. Uh, I'm so excited to be here. Um, as you may know, my wife and I are both originally from West Michigan, so we're familiar with the cold. Um, but we, for the last 10 years, have been serving at a covenant church near Austin, Texas. Anyone ever been to Texas? Okay, a couple have been down. Anybody been to Austin before? Yeah, great city, right? You are welcome, by the way, for the van load of uh, Texas weather I brought up for you today, right? <laughs> You're welcome for that. This is what it's like all year round down there. No, we've been serving there for 10 years uh, at Restoration Covenant Church, and we've been so excited uh, as we've been getting to know your search team, your leaders, Pastor Lars and others, uh, and just sensing what God may be doing. And so I will ask you uh, to continue in prayer for my church, which is Restoration Covenant Church there in Round Rock. We're, uh, we're in an industrial space. I am the solo pastor of that church, and it's been so great. We've probably had our best season of ministry. This recent season is about a year and a half. We've seen people coming to Christ, uh, baptized. We've been really active in our local, regional, and global outreach. Uh, worship is hot. Everything is so, so great. And at, this is the time that the Lord would say, I think it's time for you to move on. But as I've been talking about that and, and working with my leaders, there's been such a sense of hopeful confidence that has washed over them and I'm certain it's because people here have been praying for them. I know members of the search committee and other pastors have been as well. I would encourage you again as covenant brothers and sisters to keep restoration covenant in your prayers as well. Uh, people have asked, you know, hey, are you nervous of, you know, much about today? And um, not really. You know, I, I love to teach the word. I love to, you know, encourage each other and how that works. There was only one moment this morning in the first service where I got a little nervous. It was at the end, the last hymn. I ended up standing next to the choir director, and he was singing, and I was like, do I sit? Yeah, I guess I'll let it go. Uh, he gave me a, a nice gentle pat, like, that was, that was, that was nice. Like, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Because I know there's a lot to accomplish this morning. I mean, number one, you know, I want to encourage you in living out life in the Spirit. I mean, that's what we're here for. That's why you came this morning is, you know, not to hear from me, but to really hear from the Lord about learning to live, be encouraged to live life in the Spirit. So that's number one. You know, number two, I would like to have an opportunity for you to get to know me a little bit. We had a, a nice time getting to know some people last night, but this is a good opportunity for you to kind of hear me, hear what I'm about, where I've been, maybe, you know, what, what I understand ministry to be like. And then, then the third part uh, was to prepare us all to hear from the Lord what is His will for Hinsdale Covenant Church and for me and our family. Is, are we sensing that God is calling us you know, to walk together. And as I was sorting through them, I'm like, boy, that's a lot to accomplish in a you know, short amount of time. But then I realized it's really not three different things. It's really the one thing. You know, because life in the Spirit is just so great. It's like living a bigger story. And, and that's really why I'm here today. And I have seen and heard so many great stories of how the Lord has been moving in this church, especially in this season. And, you know, as I look out and I've been meeting people and obviously met quite a few people at the first service, and I sense, you know, there's, there's a lot of stirring going on here. We talked about that last night, too. There's a lot of stirring. You know, I didn't realize it was just a few months ago that you opened up this beautiful space, by the way. It looks awesome. And, uh, you know, Pastor Paul and the emotions of his release, and then, you know, is there potential for me to come in and all the other things that are going on. And, and I was trying to encourage last night just saying, you know what's so great about this? is I know for some people change can be disorienting. It can be. 
But you have to see this, like the Holy Spirit is moving here. And that's why there's so much change going on right now. And you would much rather find yourself in a place where the Spirit is moving and things are kind of moving around. And you're like, I'm trying to catch up. I'm trying to catch up. Lord, keep me. Rather than somewhere where he's not moving at all. And so I really want to encourage you in that. Like, there's so many great things happening here. And I've just been sensitive to that in my prayers. We've been trying to discern, is this where the Lord's calling us to serve next? Well, let's get to the word. We had it spoken. And I would love for you, if you have your Bibles with you, great. We're going to get along really well. If you don't, I know there's some in the seats. Uh, to open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1, if you haven't already. I, I know it's on the screen. I, I, I like screens, too. Um, and, but there's something about the printed word. There's something to me about holding on to God's word. And then you get a sense of where you are in the story, you know, that, that there's more in the front. We're kind of towards the back. And also there's the sun. You know, you may take a moment in your head and your heart where you kind of drift off from my words. That's okay. You can just look down in the word and let him speak to you. The Lord may share something with you this morning that, that really doesn't even come out of my mouth. You know, so I just really try to encourage people to have a hands-on Bible experience. And, and as that sound of pages, it's just so beautiful. And not just to me, I'm sure to the Lord too. That sound of people seeking him in his word is just so beautiful. So let me pray as we open up God's word. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for your precious word. Thank you, God, for these words that you inspired uh, the authors to write by your Holy Spirit. And then you preserved them with such integrity that literally and absolutely the words that we read today were words that were given so long ago, but have been encouraging believers throughout the many, many centuries of the same words. So Lord, would you speak to us again today by your word? Would you encourage all of us in our desire to live life fully in the spirit? We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take a look at this passage a little deeper and just get a sense of what God is saying to us. And this is in uh, you know, Colossians chapter 1, uh, verses 9. And I'm just going to put up through 10 here. We're going to work through this in some detail here a bit. Paul writes, you know, for this reason, uh, since the day I first heard it, and what is the it he's referring to? Well, you'd have to look at the preceding paragraph. That's, again, why it's great to have God's word in front of you. Look at the preceding paragraph. What you're going to see is that God, excuse me, that Paul has been encouraging them in their faith, in their love for one another, and their passion to share the gospel in the community they've been in. And he's saying, you're seeing growth. We're seeing fruit. We're seeing things happen. It's been so great. And I, I really think that kind of matches you, too. Like, there's a, there's a faith here. He's affirming that. There's a love among the community. There's that. And there's a desire to take the gospel and expand out into the community that they're blessed to serve. That's the it, he's saying. Since I first heard it, okay? Since the day I first heard about that, we have not stopped praying for you. He says, we have not stopped praying for you. Now, historically, you know, this is Paul and his colleagues, and they're praying for this particular church community there in Colossae. But one interesting thing about we have with the word is there's the historical word. Yes, it's Paul writing to a church. But we also know if we look at Romans 8.26, it's the Holy Spirit that also intercedes on behalf of all believers, sometimes without words. And so when you imagine that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write these words to this church, knowing that we too would read them someday, what he's saying is, I'm praying for you as well. And I have to tell you, this, this particular passage is gold to me. There's been times, and I'm sure I'll tell you the story another day, when I, as yeah, a full-grown man, was sitting in a co coffee shop packed with people and literally burst into tears over this particular passage. I just needed to hear it that day. 
that encouragement that the word says that, you know, we have been praying for you without ceasing. We've been praying for you. Can you imagine that? In the heavens, right now, the Holy Spirit, that great council of the angels are interceding right now for us, praying for us without ceasing, praying for you, praying for you, because I see your faith, I see your love, and I see your passion to stretch out with the gospel. Isn't that powerful? Then he goes on to say, I'm praying for you to have knowledge of God's will, asking that you be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Filled. You know, imagine that first of all, you know, imagine like the cup and it's filled to capacity. That's, you fill something, you fill it to capacity. He's not saying, you know, I imagine that you would be, you know, poured in a quarter of God's will or even half or three quarters. He said, no, 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 we're praying for you unceasingly that you be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Filled to capacity, maybe even overflowing with God's will. Now, we think about knowledge of God's will. We just prayed that a moment ago. We prayed, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. May it be here on heaven as you've already written it there in the heavens. We want to be filled. He's praying nonstop for us believers to be filled with the knowledge of what does God want from us? What is his instructions for our lives? Will we be filled with the knowledge of his will to live out that greater story. Isn't that powerful? Well, he goes on to say, you know, you'd be filled with the knowledge of God's will, again, not mine, but yours, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And when you think about that, the idea of that all spiritual wisdom and understanding, what he's saying is, I just, I, he's praying that you would be grasp onto a sense of God that's so big it would be impossible to hold, that you would have a continuing sense of who God is, and it's greater than you know. Because there's a tension in our lives. There's a tension in our hearts. We all do it. I can do it too. Of instead of imagining coming with fear and awe and reverence before a holy and good God, we can tend to take God and sort of make him compartmental, just like smaller, a little bit smaller, so that we can continue to live out our own lives, right? You see how that's compatible? He's saying, I'm praying all the time that you'd be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual understanding. Those are hand in hand. A sense of God that's great and grand and huge and a desire and a purpose of walking out his will in your lives. Not little God coming along for, with, on my path, but me being led obediently and faithfully in his. Isn't that powerful? I'm praying nonstop you'd be filled with the knowledge of God's will, that you would know a big God and follow him faithfully in your life. So that, he says, this would be the result, the impact, so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord. Now, is that possible? Can any of us ever really live a life worthy of the Lord? No, not really, but you can sure die trying. I'm praying for you nonstop, just filled with the knowledge of a big God, follow him with the, everything in your life to live a life worthy of the Lord. In other words, to live out a bigger story. You know, as a parent of five kids, it's so easy for us to kind of follow along with what, you know, okay, this is what the story is. I'm raising my kids so they go to college, get a good job, maybe get a good house, get a family. You know, that's a good path, right? We tend to think that's, that's the right good and path. But there's a bigger story out there where we concede our will to God's will. He's saying, I just pray that you would live a life worthy of the Lord. Isn't that really our cry as parents? We want our kids to live a life that's worthy 
of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, by the way, which hints at a greater joy that's available than just living our own path. And that we would once again here bear fruit in every good work. We would bear fruit in every good work. Well, anytime the word talks about fruit, it's talking about produce, the expected production, the result, the impact of living a life for God. That spiritual fruit, that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, that would be felt by the people closest to you and in the community that you serve. And he goes on to say that you'd bear fruit in every good work as you grow again in the knowledge of God. You notice that it never really stops there. That as we would follow along with God's will, conceding ourselves to a big and awesome God who's working out in our lives and bearing fruit, encouraging us to stretch out with the gospel to the community he's called us to serve, that it's an unending cycle, by the way, because we continue to grow then in the knowledge of God who is leading us. You could really say that life in the Spirit is unending, eternal even, as we grow in the knowledge of who God is and living out His will for our lives. This passage, like I said, has meant so much to me. And as I was, uh, you know, thinking through it and how I would offer it to you today, one word came to mind, and this actually is a word that came up quite a bit during the search process as well. And uh, it's, it's right here. It's obedience. Now, shoot, I just blew it. Oh. Out of the gate, the guy's putting harsh words up on the screen. This is not the Instagram moment, by the way. Don't do this. Had Pastor Simon, and he was teaching about obedience. Yeah. No, because for so many of us, obedience is, it, it can be a harsh word. Uh, because it maybe comes up with, you know, idea of like, you know, punishments or correction or, you know, maybe even an, you know, an angry kind of sense. And that's not really the way that I'm using it, you know. Uh, obedience, like I said, came up a lot during the, the search process as I was getting to know, you know, your leaders here. We were talking about, you know, the possibility, the potential of us coming up. And, you know, of course, there's all the web searches. You can find out so many great things about Hinsdale on, on, online. Until I realized there was a Hinsdale, Montana, uh, but um, <laughs> wrong one. Um, but as we were searching through and like praying a lot, and obviously it's a big deal, you know, for wife and I, we, we love where we live. Uh, we're very invested in the community. We love our church. And they were asking a few times, like, do you, do you, uh, are you excited, you know, about, you know, the idea of, of joining us here at, at Hinsdale Covenant? I was like, um, yes, but I mean, but that's not really the thing that's driving me. You know, what I'm really looking forward to is just hearing Lord, how are you speaking and then obedient, being obedient to his will? And they were like, but, but no, no, I, I, why aren't you excited? I'm like, well, I am, but actually the thing that I'm trying to do is not discern what I'm excited about. I made a lot of mistakes following things that I was excited about. What I was looking forward to is, Lord, will you make your will clear and then challenge me to be obedient to your call? And that's harder to discern it's deeper, but it's also way more joyful. So that was the thing that kept driving us. And so when I think about this passage we just looked at, you know, life in the spirit, quite honestly, comes through obedience. Life in the spirit really comes through obedience. Which is an ironic word for me, to be honest with you, because I didn't grow up with a lot of obedience. I really didn't. Uh, my mom was a single mom. And we were in the city. We lived in the, you know, the streets of, of Grand Rapids. And uh, 
probably about the time that I was uh, equal to her eyes in height, you know, she, she stopped being able to contain me. And she was a very short lady, and so that was pretty early. Um, <laughs> she, she just, you know, she couldn't control me. Now, it wasn't so much, though, that I was, like, disobedient. It really wasn't that. I was just obedient to my own will. That's all. I was obedient to the wrong things. And for the early part of my life, you know, as a teenager, young adult, I was obedient to myself and what I wanted and what I found joy and what I liked. And that led me down some pretty hard paths, really. It also led me down some really great paths. I did. I came out of the city uh, and uh, ended up working in television and very quickly worked my way up the ladder of local TV. Uh, I was the senior writer-producer at the biggest news station in town. Uh, there in West Michigan. I had made it. I'd, I'd be on the radio quite a bit. You know, I'd go places and, you know, I'd say, oh, I'm senior writer, producer, and, you know, people would be very impressed. They looked great on the outside. Man, but inside, oof, there's something wrong. Because here's what happens. When you're obedient to your own will, when you're just following life for your own pleasure, your own joy, as the word says, there's the wages of your sin, and the wages of your sin are death. And even though I looked great on the outside, I felt really good about what I was doing in life, I could tell there was a bill that was starting to rack up, the wages of my sin. And I was confronted with that at a time in my late, late, late 20s. It was almost like you're at a restaurant staring at a bill that I couldn't possibly pay. And that was my, my guilt and my shame because I had been obedient only to myself. And it was there in that one evening, actually the night of my 30th birthday, that I had to take that check and hand it to the one who I knew paid for it in his blood. And it was life-changing. See, one thing that's strange about me and maybe a little dangerous, I don't know, is my testimony doesn't conclude with, and that was the day I accepted Christ. See, because if I accepted him, then that still feels to me like I put myself in the driver's seat. I, accept, I accepted him. That's just not my story. I surrendered. I surrendered. I surrendered. I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I've been trying to do this myself. I've been obedient to my own will the whole time. I've had some highs, had a lot of lows, hurt a lot of people. I'm so sorry. Will you please forgive me? Pour over your grace. Let me walk a new path. Jesus called that repentance. And repentance is that idea that you're going one direction, that's your own will, and when you repent, you turn from that direction, you start going a new way, and that's exactly what happened to me. That's why this word obedience is so ironic to me because I feel like since that moment, since that very day, honestly, I've been struggling and trying to rewire my heart so that I'm obedient to his will, not my own. And it's been so great to see how the Lord has led me uh, through that time. And it was shortly after that that, you know, I was discipled well by an older pastor and a number of other wise people in our church just came alongside, want to help you walk, they said. And it's just been walking this new path. And it was interesting in the first season, like I sensed there was some kind of feeling in my heart, a compelling sense that I was to be, be uh, vocational, like I was to pursue ministry as my job. 
which is a little bit weird because I really liked what I did. That gave me joy. But at the same time, there was something in my heart that felt like the Lord was calling me towards. And I needed to explore that. So good mentors around were encouraging me to consider, you know, ministry as a calling. Okay. So now maybe you're, you're like me where you're like, okay, but, but how do you hear from the Lord? How do you hear what God wants you to do? Whether that's, you know, call to ministry or your own practical life. Like, how does God speak to us? Well, it's again, oh, I'll run this direction. Um, obedience requires listening, listening to the Lord. Obedience requires listening to the Lord. And like I said, early on in my walk, as I was asking that dangerous question to God, like, why? Why did you call me out of my own life? Why did you fill me with your grace? Why? That's a dangerous question because that's a purpose question. And he'll begin to answer that question, begin to stir in my heart a sense of, you know, ministry as, as a vocation. Well, for all of us, I think that uh, listening to the Lord requires a threefold kind of experience. Number one, it's in the Spirit of God, prayer. Prayer. When you pray, you're praying in the Spirit, you're asking the Lord, Lord, lead me, help me, help me discern what your will is for my life. You're joining that unceasing prayer that's happening in the Spirit that he wants to speak his will in your life. But that alone can be tough because just alone, you're still dealing with like internal feelings. And so I had internal feelings, but I knew there needed to be more. I'd spend time in the Word. This is critical. The scriptures are critical. And God will speak to your heart through His Word. Now, it may be a relevant passage, one where you're like, like Colossians 1, where I read it and bawled out into tears in the middle of Starbucks. Or it may be a familiar story of someone who surrendered their lives in Scripture and began to walk a new path. God will speak to you through His Word. And then it's so important to have fellowship, people around you, that also desire to walk out God's will. And you begin to dialogue and share and pray and talk with one another. And it was really interesting in that first season as I was, again, discerning that there's this internal feeling. Leaders around came around. They're going, oh, we also sense the gifting about you. We see that sense, the, you know, what God has gifted you with for ministry. And I think from there, there were certain significant steps in answering to that call. Uh, number one was uh, walking into my general manager's office and, and quitting. I walked in my GM's office and I said, you know, uh, I feel like I, I got to leave uh, my position. God is calling me to something else. And she's like, wait, who's that? We'll match the offer. <laughs> no, that's not W-G-O-D. That's literally God. Um, I feel like God is calling me to do something else. I needed the education. I, was, uh, I had a, a, a little bit of a Tarshish moment. You remember Jonah was called to serve in Nineveh, but he ran the other direction to Tarshish. I had some Tarshish moments. I was working in some ministries and some churches, but I could tell that that was not where God specifically had called me to go. I needed to go to seminary. I needed to do the hard work of learning how to study his word, learning how to preach. And so that was, to me, the second step, and I graduated from Grand Rapids Theological Seminary uh, in uh, the spring of uh, 2008. That was a significant moment. Uh, we had our third child, and I graduated seminary, and we packed up our, our, all our belongings and moved to Austin, Texas, all in about six weeks. Talk about obedience. Talk about following the will of God. I think the other significant moment of call was just a couple of years ago, 2016. Uh, I had been serving at a covenant church, but I had not been ordained with them. I, I didn't really know a lot about the covenant until I joined uh, Restoration uh, but it's been so exciting to get to know everyone and the colleagues around the world, literally, that are, we serve together with. And I was so excited. 
when I was ordained in Phoenix, boiling hot Phoenix in uh, 2016. Those are those steps of obedience that God has led me through that have gotten me to this place where I'm desiring to serve him wherever he may call. And he's got a plan for your life as well. And this is the second, the third part. See, obedience to the will of God offers you a greater joy. Like if you'd asked Simon back then, like, what do you want? What would give you, you know, what would make you happy? I probably would have stayed in television, I guess. I liked doing that. I was pretty good at it. But there's a greater joy I've discovered in walking with God and being obedient to his call. Has Texas been easy? Nope. There's a reason it's called the Wild West. In our 10 years there, we have dealt with tornadoes, hurricanes, fire ants, uh, Africanized killer bees, wildfires, uh, domestic terrorism. Remember the, the serial bomber a couple of weeks ago? That ended about a mile away from our house. Not to mention drought. It didn't rain for three years there. We thought we had done something wrong. There was one season it was well over 100 degrees for 100 days straight. But there's been so much joy in serving the Lord and being obedient to where he has placed us. It's been so great. And I feel like he's calling again. So again, my point here was to prepare us all to hear, Lord, what is your will? And at some point, look, I know you've been through a lot as a church. And it can't be about, oh, do you like me? Or am I like Paul? Or am I like not like? It's not about whether you like or not like. God will fill that in. What we're asking for today is, Lord, what is your will here? What is your will for this church that has stood for so long in this awesome community as a beacon of the gospel? What is your will? What are you asking for us? You know, we have uh, no greater example of living out God's will than our Lord and Savior Jesus. And it's so powerful, this passage here in Hebrews chapter 12, another one of my favorite books, Hebrews that, again, gives us that hint of that cloud of witnesses that is surrounding us, interceding for our behalf. It's in, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and every sin that clings so closely, and let us then run with perseverance the race that God has set before us. He has set a race before each one of us, and he's saying run that race with perseverance. Looking to Jesus, the pioneer, the author, the perfecter of our faith, who but for the joy set before him endured. He endured the cross. He endured. But for the joy that was set before him. What is that joy that was set before him? Jesus absolutely, 100%, executed the will of God for his life. And the joy that was there set before him is why he is now seated there at the right hand of God, interceding for us. Because he was perfectly able to execute God's will. What is the joy that is set before us? It's you, and you, and you, and me. The joy that was set before him is us. Believers, faithful people, together, running that race that he has set before us, keeping our eyes fixed on him, letting nothing hold us back 
from living out his will for our lives. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like me, where you might have, you know, believed the right things, might have a habit of coming to church, but when you think about what is the urgency of your life, it really is still living your own story, still obedient to your own will. Have you had that season where you've stopped, repented, stopped going your own direction and said, yes, Lord, I will follow you? Or maybe you hear like me some time ago where there's a bill for your disobedience. There's a bill being presented, and you're like, I, I can't cover that. Have you presented that to Christ and have him pay for it in his blood? Are you here like me, maybe, where you're like, Lord, I want to know what you want, you want for my life. I just don't know how to hear your voice. I want to help you on that journey as well. In prayer, in the word, in the fellowship of the people, orienting our hearts to follow his will for our life. Or maybe you're here and there's just not a lot of joy in your life. Trying to walk the walk and, and pray and be faithful, but there just hasn't been that joy. Here's the good news, and it's the good news. God loves you, and he loves you so dearly that he sent his son to perfectly execute his will so that by his blood shed, we can all be set free, set free from self-obedience, and be encouraged and inspired by a big God who says, follow me, pick up your cross, and follow me. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this house. Thank you, Lord, for this community, these friends that have gathered here. And Lord, the echoes of friends that have come and gone through this community for the many, many years she stood here. Lord, I pray that your will would be done and your kingdom will come here on earth as you've already written it in the heavens. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for sending your son Jesus to perfectly execute your will so that by his blood, that, that check, that bill that we cannot pay has been paid in full. Father, I pray that by your spirit, as we desire to live a life in the spirit, that you'd encourage us to have a vision, an awe, a reverence for a big God who has a great plan for us individually, young or old, rich or poor, but us as a community, as a covenant, church before you. Father, I thank you for our new friendship. Lord, I pray you continue to bless us, lead us, guide us. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.